episode 25 of The Change Journals features my friend Caesar Kalinowski. I'm Tracy Winchell, and this is our continuation of a 30-day gratitude challenge at rebootspodcast.com forward slash gratitude 2019. In this episode, Caesar talks about how gratitude not only changes us, but it also changes other people when we dare to share that gratitude, even not just share it, but dig deep for it when gratitude for someone else is hard to find. Caesar remembers how difficult it was for him as an adult to write that first tribute letter to his father because the childhood relationship had been so painful. And Caesar talks about how that annual Father's Day activity began to rewire remembrance for both of them and how it brought profound healing to both of them and into deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. Plus, Caesar's going to invite you to join him Thursday, November 14th for a free online workshop, The Gospel in Everyday Life. You're going to be able to check that out at 123lifeschool.com forward slash workshop. Link in the show notes. I'm going to hush and let's listen to our conversation with Caesar. Caesar, thanks for hanging out with us today on the Reboots Podcast. Actually, we're going we're gonna to release this as a Change Journals episode inside the Reboots Podcast. These are sort of mini episodes designed to help us uh, navigate or affect change in our lives. And today we're going to be talking about gratitude. And specifically, I'm interested in hearing how you practice gratitude in a, in a more public way with your community. But before we get to that, tell me a little bit about uh, what your ministry is all about. You, you have a fascinating way of being a disciple and creating disciples within your family and with your larger community as, as a believer. Well, thanks, Tracy. It's uh, it's awesome to be with you again on reboots and um, this gratitude journal. I've been getting my stuff. It's been coming in, and it's you're doing such a great job. Thanks for thanks for letting us all tag along. Um, so, just a little background uh, for for my story. Um, years and years of being involved in overseas missions work, not full time like living in other countries, but a lot. Like I was a missions pastor at a very large church, and I was a founder of an organization that worked in war zones and where there's Christian persecution and uh, natural disaster and things like that. And um, whenever we were out in the field, we felt like we were with the church, we were being the church. And then often when it came home, it felt like we were sort of like doing church, you know, putting on church services and things like that. And it wasn't like it's identity based. And in 2004, God led my family and I out to uh, Tacoma, Washington to try to live like missionaries. Like what would it be like if we moved to another country, except it was called Tacoma, Washington, and we got to live <laughs> And we got to live like a family of missionary servants together with a handful of other people. What would God do with that? How would that go? And, and our goal was to, you know, quote unquote, plant churches, but it was like an upside down model. It's like, what if we lived like family, loved our neighbors and treated them like family um, and, and, and discipled them to faith? Um, generally, the church is kind of, you have to say this magic Jesus in your heart prayer, and then maybe you get into some discipleship. Jesus actually said it the other way around. He says, if you'll be my disciple and walk in my ways, then you'll come to know the truth and that truth will set you free. And that's what he modeled. Obviously, Jesus didn't disciple Christians. Dude, that's a whole episode right there sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Well, and we talk about it all the time because once you flip that and you go, wait a minute, we get to disciple people, walk in the ways of Jesus with them so they come to know truth and get set free. It's a whole different way. 
And then disciples want to hang out. That is the church. And so instead of creating church services and trying to talk Christians into living like Jesus, we just did. <laughs> and then you get the church, right? And wow. So the, you know, the saying is like, if you plan a church service, you might not get disciples. But if you, if you make disciples, you always get the church. It is the church. And so we started doing that. And that's how we live. And we live as a family that way, an extended family. There's always, we always have an open door and lots of people kind of flowing in and out. It's our lifestyle. Uh, we're very, very used to it. We love it. And I think that might freak some people out. Like, how do you live, you know, that way? What about boundaries and, you know, your own personal time? But the truth of the gospel is, is that we're free to treat people like family, like God treats us. And guess what that freedom also comes with? The ability to live with an open door, but also the ability to say to somebody, hey, it's not a great time right now. What's up? Is if it's an emergency, I'm dropping, you know, what I was planning to do. Come on in. But if it's, you know, you can watch the movie with us or you can have dinner or whatever. Or if I'm doing something, you know, T and I are doing something as couples or we're, you know, whatever, it's time for us or whatever. You have the freedom to say, eh, not so much now. And people actually love and respect that. And that's what healthy family looks like. And we always say, like, you know, how would you live if you really believe God was your daddy and Jesus was your brother? That's what scripture says, right? That Jesus counts us as brothers and sisters. How awesome uh, to think of it that way. And so, yeah, we live that way and make disciples that way. And, and our ministry, I guess, these days is coaching and writing and training people to be able to live that way, to actually live out their faith, like look, read the Bible and then like live that way. <laughs> so we do, I do coaches and I've got several books out, uh, coaching, I mean, and we've got several books out and some courses and I don't know, always creating something new. Whenever we see a need for people trying to live that way, we try to plug that hole. And I love the Life School podcast, making faith and life fit. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, because um, people segregate it, you know, it's like they have their yep. Sunday life and then they have the rest of their sort of American dream life or European dream life or whatever you call it. But uh, what if, yeah, what if the gospel actually is good news for this life, not just about our afterlife and turns out it is. Yay. So yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Pretty awesome. You, you and I were talking offline last week about gratitude and the importance of gratitude in community. You know, when when I started my gratitude journey, I was just coming out of years of emotional isolation from all but a handful of people and in the in the several months prior to my gratitude journey um, I had even pushed away the people closest to me hmm. um, so gratitude for me began as an incredibly private thing and it was so difficult I was lucky some days to find one or two things for which I was grateful. Mm. And you and I were really. talking last week about how important it is to not just find our gratitude from within, but also to communicate our gratitude for other people. Yeah, and, and I think that was sort of a big... I, I think it just recently, maybe like kind of a wake up to understanding uh, gratitude in a much deeper way. In fact, uh, when you were together with me last week recording the Life School podcast, it's that episode is going to be called uh, "Gratitude, Grace, and the Gospel," because I think mm. there. Um, what I'm learning is there's an intrinsic link to um, a heart of gratitude that's not just. I'm grateful when things go well for me or when someone does something nice for me or I get some stuff or I look around and I'm really grateful for my house. And all those things are legit. They really are to be, we should be grateful for a car that runs in a shelter and consistent food and all and all those things. 
But the next level is to take it to be grateful for the giver and for who they are, not what they do. And, and what, what that starts to change in community and in relationships, both you know, friendships, marriage, with our kids in community, is that starts to value the person and their identity more than their gift. We, we, we've talked about this maybe before, Tracy, a little bit. I don't know if on air or just as friends, but um, the, we live in a, a culture that is, is just so predicated on do to be. In other words, what we do equals who we are and our value. And, and I think if we're not careful, and, and even with the best intentions, we can be gra- grateful for what people have done without being very grateful for them. And Ouch. So, and so then it, what it does is it, it just reinforces, accidentally, a really nice sentiment reinforces a do to be. What you do equals your value in my mind. So when you stop, you know, so you're only, Tracy, you're only as valuable to me as the last cool thing you did for me. Oops, I didn't mean that, but it's kind of how I'm treating you. And so when you start to look behind that and you realize I didn't deserve any of that, so it was grace that person did that for me or God has provided my family or my house or whatever. And now the gospel says that you know, grace, unmerited favor is something that God has sent his son to, you know, at a great cost of his life to deliver for us. And so then you start looking into other people's lives and you see that their value as image bearers flows right out of that same heart of God. And it starts to change gratitude and it also starts to change relationships because no longer am I, am I accidentally reinforcing a do to be value in our relationship. But what I'm gratitude, what I'm grateful for is you and the things you know, it's not like we have to pretend it's, you know, like my, I, I don't know if I've ever told you a story when I turned 50, years old and I didn't want to. Um, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Like I, I feel like I'm 30, 35. I look 20. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, hey, you look 30, <laughs> but I, but I don't, I, I was like, I don't even know. I don't have a category for 50 yet, honey. Let's not make a big deal. And look, when you live in community, it's kind of tough though. Cause like lots of people want to celebrate, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. awesome. But I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not feeling it. And I get to choose. Well, she, she threw two parties that year, you know? And, uh, so, but at the first small little <laughs> private dinner party that I sort of acquiesced to, um, someone came up and bear hugged me from behind at this restaurant. And it was my, my firstborn, my oldest son, Caesar, who's Caesar four. And I didn't, he was in the Marines at the time and I didn't expect to see him. So it was like a big surprise. He'd flown in and he hugs me and it was all great. And I was, that was like, man, I was like, that made my day. Later on that night, he gave me a letter and, uh, I'm getting a little choked up just thinking about, it. and in the letter, he just, he just, uh, he said all the things that a father would one day hope a son would say to him. It was beautiful. And he was really full of gratitude and very specific things. And then he said, you know, um, you, uh, I'm at the age now that you were when we were kids and you gave up so much stuff. And one of the things you gave up was your Harley, you know, we're a kind of a Harley Davidson family. And he says, and now you don't have one and you haven't had one for years. Cause I think you gave yours up to get braces or something paid for or whatever. And uh-huh. he says, and he says, and I have two Harleys. It doesn't seem right that I should enjoy this so much. You've given me a love for these, but you don't have one. And in it there, there was a title and he gave me a Harley paid off done. I still oh, have it. It's right out wow. here. It's like a hundred feet from me. So <laughs> yeah. And talk about now here's the thing. Am I grateful for that Harley? Yes, <laughs> I am. But boy, oh boy, because of the way he connected it to what he was grateful for in my life, for me, and then this was almost ancillary. It's like, what do you think I'll go, you know, to my old age and grave remembering the Harley or what he said in that letter? You know what I mean? And and the relational bond that it cemented. We are we're like best friends anyway. But 
yeah, the bond between a father and a son that, that got cemented. Now the gift on top of it, pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I wow. would everybody had a son that would gift them a Harley Davidson someday. But, you know. So that's kind of what with I'm the letter that goes with it, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And so, yeah, I would it would it would break my heart, and I think it would break his if I if I was all gushy about the Harley, but I never gave him the time of day, or I wasn't grateful for him, or I wouldn't speak like those types of things back into his life and um, and remind him of ways that his life and character and service reminds me of what Christ is like, reminds me of the Father. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just before we got on the air, I was praying and, you know, and the Spirit led me to pray thankfulness for you and some of your service to me in my life, that how it reminded me of Christ and his service. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was genuine. And, and I want to be that way. I want my gratitude to, to leap beyond just the gift or the stuff. <laughs> but to the heart of who you are as an image bearer and, um, and, and this wonderful created, created creation of God's image. So thank so awesome. you. I'm so glad we get to be brothers and sisters and know it, you know? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of fathers and sons, uh, last week you kind of choked me up a little bit talking about your relationship with your father and, and the role that gratitude has played in mending that yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, would you care to just kind of weigh in a little bit on that and tell us the story? I, I, I get that expectations are such that this may not work in every single situation, yeah. but it's, a, it's kind of about just, just doing what we can for the relationship because it's right. Yeah. I, so I, I know what you're talking about. So growing up, my father um, was alcoholic and pretty hard and pretty mean type of person. So when my dad came home, me and my sisters, we just kind of hid, just kind of get out of the storm mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, um, and you know, I loved my father growing up, but I didn't like him and I didn't want to hang out with him. And none of us did, and nor did my mom. And eventually after 25 plus years, I don't even remember exactly how many, my mom, against her faith and best decisions, she divorced my pops. And then 11 months later, um, he had a very, very powerful uh, coming to Jesus experience. He really gave his life to Christ and, and became a true believer. And my mom agreed to remarry him. So they were divorced for 11 months and then got remarried and then were remarried for another 25 or 30 years. You know? <laughs> you know? Wow. And, um, and, and, and my dad changed a lot quickly. Now, he was still like all of us, a work in progress and being conformed to, you know, what Christ is like in day-to-day life, but wow, it was, it was profound. And as the years went by and as the decades rolled by, whenever we'd give my dad a father's day card or a birthday card, and you know, he would read the sentiments in there as if we wrote them, you know, even though they were like some Hallmark thing or whatever, he would, he would always love it and tear up. But then he'd always had to add some negative remembrance of like, yeah, but when we were kids, you, when I was, when you guys were kids, I wasn't that way. You know, I was just a drunk. I was a bum. I was angry all the time. You know, it's all this stuff. And we'd say, oh, but we love you, dad. It's, that's all past. That's all forgiven. Don't worry about it. And he never could get past it. And I was like, how do you drag around? How do you drag that all around for your whole life and have any joy? You know, it's been forgiven. It's been put as far as the East is from the West in the father's eyes. And God looks at us and says, oh, it's not like, oh, Tracy. Yeah, I love her. She's my daughter. You know, I forgave her of this, 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 and this. God looks at Tracy and says, what sin? I don't, I don't. Because he's exactly to. it's crazy, but it's true if you believe scripture. And yep. so God led me to um, start doing a um, oh, what did I call that thing? Tribute, like a tribute letter to my father every Father's Day, where I would I would try to write um, 
a kind of a synopsis of our family year and, and, and then tie it to some good things that he had done and, and, and then tie to him why I was grateful for that. Now, here's the trouble. It was tough sledding because I didn't have like five good childhood memories connected to my dad, really. So I had to pray like crazy and ask the Spirit of God to bring to remembrance or rewire my remembrance because, you know, wow. we're all self-focused, right? And sometimes things that we think were the worst in the world, it's like, that was just normal, you know, that's just normal stuff. And so, so, um, so I did it the first year and it was tough sledding and cried through the whole thing, sent it to my dad. Mm-hmm. It blew his mind. It blew his mind. And I began to make that a tradition for Father's Day. Later on, I started doing it for my mom as well. And um, I don't know how many years in a row I got to do it for my father. Um, but every year when he'd get the new one, he would pull out all the old ones and read them. And then he would, you know, read the new one and then add it to his stack. And after he passed, I, got, I have that stack. And they're all super worn and red and all that. But what started to change was he started to believe what God said was true of him. Because he got to hear it you know, even though it was written for him, he got to hear it spoken from his son to him in ways that were really meaningful and really particular little stories from childhood and this. And when you said that, or when that happened, or when my son was deployed and you were praying for him, it showed me the heart of the father who's protector and, you know, and right in all these things. And, um, it changed him. It transformed him where he, he left behind dragging all that forgiven past and was able to start to more and more believe what God says is now true of him and how we really saw him. And, and my dad and I, we, we, you know, till the day he passed, we were very close. And he's, he's probably like one of the top two or three people in my son's life. My son loved my dad, <laughs> his grandpa. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that expressing of gratitude, even when it was tough, and asking God to really guide that process year after year and try to come up with new things connected to this year. And, uh, but, but, Turns out there was a whole lot more to be grateful for with my dad and in our childhood, even though it wasn't perfect, but none are, and ours was far from it. But um, it also changed me because I realized that maybe in life, because I am selfish and love me more than anybody, I'm pretty quick to focus on the, the, the faults in someone's life or their stack of, you know, uh, failures or whatever. And I kind of value them or devalue them based on that. And that mm. sort of becomes the MO in my brain. Like God doesn't do that. Cause like you said, he's like, what? Oh, me that? too, man. Me but, too, Caesar. But we kind of make people a list of their failures and or slights against us. And even if we've moved past it, we still kind of remember it. It's like, oh yeah, there's Tracy. She did that to me once, but yeah, yeah we're pet, you know? And I don't want to be that way. And so it, it changed me too a little bit and, and, and really, putting pen to paper and sitting down and praying through it and letting God show me that even in my dad and in our childhood, there was a whole lot where he was at work and he was using even my dad's imperfections to bless Mm. my family and to bless me and to change us. And and sometimes to point out like how different the father, uh, heavenly father is and all those things. Mm. And so, yeah, I certainly, I feel like I'm still the biggest complainer in the world. I think Tina would like, amen that right now. (laughs) underline <laughs> and Tina's your wife yes and uh, of 36 years now and plus a congratulations whole lot of, plus a whole lot of so, years of dating and so anyway so I don't know I, I have a long way to go Tracy but um yeah. so did those tribute letters get easier for you yeah they did yeah they did because my heart changed and I and I was quicker to allow the spirit of God to rewire certain events and certain things and, or notice the good, not just focus on the parts that weren't 
what I wanted in life or how it went for me. And, and then we also moved beyond childhood. We moved into in this past yes. year or two. Yes. You know? So I wasn't always going back to then. But when I started, they, that, I primarily connected the dots all the way back. And I still would right. as the spirit would kind of re- bring to remembrance. But I'd also say, hey, this year when this happened, I want to tell you the effect that had on us. And thank you for that. And so. Because over time, you're writing tributes that are more recent and since you started sending the tribute letters. And so you're being grateful for the healing that's occurring. It's almost, you know, you, you, oh, it just gets richer. It's and like richer. a gratitude snowball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of was. And, and our relationship just got better and better and better. And, mm-hmm. and, and, but more than that, he started to believe what God said was true of him. Like he started to live into his new, true, you know, God given identity more, which then guess what? Made it a whole lot more like you want to be around people. Like right. That, right. And, um, and then I, then I felt convicted. I wasn't doing it for my mom who I always thought was an angel and like, you know, like, well, of course she feels this way. But then she would always say, Oh, your dad got your letter this week. And he was all in tears about it again. Thank you for doing that. I'm like, I know what you're saying. I know what you're really saying. So then I think I, I only got to write maybe two or three before my mom passed. She passed mm-hmm. kind of unexpectedly quickly, not even sick. And it was like, whoa, surprise. See you in heaven, mom. Mm-hmm. Oh. But I did get to, you know, I did get to start doing that. And, and I didn't find that very hard to do at all because <laughs> she was my best. You friend. know, that's the thing that I've noticed since I started my gratitude practice six years ago or so that I've still lost people who were precious to me since then, but having, having appreciated the moments with them during the holidays, um, or just moments of laughter or the times that they have helped me and actually appreciating those moments in that moment, whether or not I made it part of my gratitude journal or not, really helped a ton. And then the times that I was actually able to communicate to that person, I'm really loving this time that we have together. Thank mm. you. Yeah. It It's still hard to lose someone we love, but it gets mm. a little easier when we do even a fraction of what you have done with your parents and what your son has done with you on your 50th birthday. And let me tell you too, um, a really huge gift of grace in my life is that I have nothing like zero chinks in, in my heart's armor of whatever. I have zero that was left unsaid with my folks. And I didn't, neither of them, I expected them to pass when they did. They weren't like sick or crazy or like in the hospital for months down. It was just like both of them were a couple years apart, very unexpected. But in both cases, I can remember thinking, they, I, I you know, last thing I probably said to him was, I love you. And, uh, we're clean and there was no walls that hadn't been discussed or torn down. And there was these letters of gratitude and tribute. And I just, I have seriously, as even as I sit here now, hundred percent honest, I'm saying, uh, nothing's left unsaid and I'm grateful for that. And that's not the case for lots of folks, but I'm grateful to God that he led me to have the intentionality to get past my own self you know desires and wounds and hurts and things because because i have siblings that have hung on to those same things we grew up in the same house and they hang on to them like it's sitting right on their coffee table today they won't let them go and if you bring up something they're like yeah this like it happened yesterday i'm like oh sis let that stuff go like really that's been all paid for and uh, at a great price 
on the cross. And, and you know what? We're just as guilty of all that same stuff. So like we're on level ground here. Like let that go, you know, let yourself be free because those, per- those people are past now. <laughs> like they're- You know? Yeah. And I, I, I talk to people all the time and I still hold resentments and I think that I've let them go and they start creeping in a little bit, but about resentments, you know, how we feel is how we feel. Yeah. And, you and get it's to. so important to acknowledge that. At some point, though, you are exactly right, Caesar. At some point, we have to decide, you know, okay, how we feel is how we feel, but how is how we feel working out for us? Well, that's it. And, and we always tell people, you get to feel exactly what you're feeling. You get to. And no one should shame you for that. We don't, you know, you don't need that. But you also get to, when you're ready and with the power of the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. You know, that's pretty powerful. You get to look for the thing behind the thing. You get to look for what was really going on or what might've been that motivation or what else can we learn from it? Or how might we have, you know, also been different in that situation? What was the person's true motive, but maybe they were wrapped in fear and past hurts. And so this is how it expressed itself. We get to go looking for the thing behind the thing and find grace in there. And there, there's so often there is. Now, I know there are horrible things that people have done to each other, and I've seen too much of it around the world. And I've, I've done things that I, I'm not proud of and said things to love people I love. And so there, there are horrible things. And you might never be able to say, well, I can paint that in a nice light. That's not the point. The point is, can we be, how about the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Can you be grateful to your Father God for sustaining you through it, that you still have life and the opportunity to bless and serve? and enjoy new things. Of course we can. So there's even that, even, and I, and, and because remember I said earlier on that I had done a lot of work in war zones and where there's Christian mm-hmm. persecution. I have seen and heard stories firsthand. It's witnessed with my own eyes, horrors. And I'll tell you what, there was a consistency amongst those people, those, those believers. They had this, the greatest joy in Christ that I've ever known. Many of them had no things, literally. They're like standing there naked or they have like a, wrap of dirty cloth around them. And two years ago, that's what they were wearing. They haven't eaten in six weeks. Their babies are starving with big bellies and they're full of joy. They're just so full of joy. And it's like, what? So it is possible to be grateful. I can remember talking to a young boy. We saw at a refugee camp and he was, he was all covered with burn scars. Like his hair was half burned off and his hand was kind of like, you know, like a burned crumple, like claw on one side and his other arm was burned. And he was just wearing rags. And I said, oh my goodness, what can, can you tell me what happened with this young boy? And he said, he'll tell you the story. And so real short, he, he tells us the story. He says, my brother and I were walking along with my parents and, um, like a year ago or two years ago, it was not too, not too far back. And, uh, some, um, some sort of, uh, Islamic terrorists, you know, like they were trying to like get everybody out of there and burn the labor. They had a huge bonfire going. They were burning the village. They grabbed their parent, his parents in front of him, hacked them to death with machetes, then tossed him and his brother into a bonfire. So he watched his parents die. His brother perished in the fire. He crawled out of the bonfire. And then the next things he said is, and I am so grateful to God for this life I have. And we just wept. I didn't even know how to, I don't even know how to process it because I don't get the parking spot I want, you know, or, you know, I get a late fee on something because I, I don't know, the post office was late and I'm coming unhinged. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is going on? And it was true. It was honest. And, and, that, and that began a little bit of a search for my own heart. Like, what, what do you choose to see? Now, he, he you know, he's going to look in the mirror and, and look at his hand his whole life. And he's a young man now. And he's going to remember. But his choice was... And, and I'm telling you, he was honest, Tracy. He was grateful. 
He was grateful to God for the life he had, that his parents were with Christ today, that he would see them someday, that he, that he you know, was growing up, that I think he just started some schooling. He was grateful to be in school. It was all, you know, it was just, wow, you know. So anyway, I didn't mean to go all heavy there. Sorry. No, that's, um, wow. We get to feel the pain of, and discouragement of things, but we also get to choose I think a different, you know, a different perspective on it. And maybe over time that can happen. And the beauty of gratitude, my friend, is that we get to start where we are. Yep. We don't generally start where that young man was when you encountered him. We. No, I don't think the day he crawled out of that fire, he was there. Right. We we get to make a cho- uh, make, we we get to make a decision to be grateful and to learn to let go of the resentments, and then we get to make a series of daily and sometimes moment by moment choices to be grateful and to put down those resentments after we pick them back up. Right? Yeah, we sure do. So what what advice or encouragement do you have for someone who's ready? To make that first decision, and what would you recommend to be their first or second step? I, I think. Well, I mean, Tracy, you've been helping me with this when we did the when we did the gratitude challenge, sort of beta last year together. Yeah, we did, which allowed you to be, you know, to to expose your true heart as a Cubs fan. Um, oh, stop! And, and I know you're grateful for that. I know you are. <laughs> you, you, you probably aren't ready like to express it. You're not ready to express. Boy, they they. They weren't good this year. Anyway, um, you helped me with this. And I think you just said it, like, start where you're at. Like, we, you don't, we don't have to manufacture this up. We get to start where we're at. Just like the first, you know, letter of gratitude and tribute to my father was really tough sled. You know, it was hard to yeah. come up with. Um, but I, but I, what I also would say is, is slow down for people. Take time. Be where you're at. But also take time to um, go beyond the surface gratitudes. You know, like it, it's like, get those all out, really get those all out on paper too, but then start to look to, okay, where did those come from? And, and how would I express gratitude for the giver, not just the gift and just start small, like, you know, pick the thing in life that you're most grateful for and then go to the thing behind the thing. So if it's your home, great. How did someone, you know, recently, um, uh, a couple, I went to their, um, 80th birthday party. And, and 65th wedding anniversary or something like that. 60th, I think it was. Yeah, they didn't get married when they were 15. Um, anyway, and years and years and years and years ago, God had led uh, Tina and I uh, to give them a couple thousand dollars towards their first home. They didn't have one. They'd been renting forever. They'd been missionaries to Panama. And, they, they, and I was like, how are you guys going to retire? You have no equity, you have nothing. They're like, well, it's never going to happen. And so we just felt led. Anyway, I walk in the door to this huge party and they grab me. And that's the first thing they're just like, we were just rehearsing this and we're so grateful. You got the ball rolling on that. And guess what? I don't know if we told you, we, we made our last payment on that house like six months ago. Cause it was 30 years ago, you know, and it's a beautiful home and it's the only one they've ever owned. And I'm sure it'll be the last one they've ever owned, but it's a hundred percent paid off and there's a load of equity now. <laughs> and you're right. And so um, I think, you know, start where you're at and look for the thing behind the thing. Look for why, who helped provide that and, and why did, why might they have, what might have their motive been and be grateful for that. And boy, I'll tell you that now the, the upgraded gratitude then would be to tell that person that, 
you know, like send them a text, send them a message, call them up, tell them across the table at this Thanksgiving or whatever. But it might just need to start for us recognizing it. And that's fine too. And that's fine too. And we can make it a prayer. And, uh, and ultimately, okay, and I'm sure that people listening today have picked up on this. Ultimately, all good gifts flow from our good father, God. They really do. So the things I'm grateful for my dad, well, he sovereignly made that my dad, you know. Uh, my son giving me a Harley, my perfect father in heaven knew that someday my son would love me enough to express what he did and give me a Harley. Wow, you know. So ultimately, I'm grateful to God for my son, you know, and my wife who bore that child and all this, you know. So there, it's, it, and it, you know what, it gets easier. It gets easier and easier to start to look beyond the thing or the stuff, beyond the doing to the being. And, and that's, I think that's where our hearts change. And that's where I think our words actually change others too. Dude, I'm so grateful for you and uh, for the interwebs uh, and uh, for Growth University so that we got to meet each other and have dinner and have all these wonderful conversations together. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Can I, um, can I extend an offer? That for, for- was going to be my next question. How does somebody get in touch with you? Yeah. So often people hear this and they're like, man, I don't even think that way. How would I begin to even step into being able to see the thing behind the thing? And we kind of wrap all this up in something we call gospel fluency. It's this, Mm. you know, like a a language where you're fluent in, you can sort of manage it, right? And you can speak about anything at different levels and it, you know, it's uh, something you possess, right? Well, most of us don't have like a great gospel fluency, the ability to see the good news of the gospel in every area of life and in every gift and in every conversation or be able to bring good news to a lot of bad news stuff in our lives. And so um, this is one of the things we teach and train on. And coming up um, in just a couple of weeks on the 14th of November, I'll be doing um, a free workshop online. Uh, it's called The Gospel in Everyday Life. And it'll help to start giving people handles for this and ways to start to look for the thing behind the thing and to be able to address it with good news, with the gospel. And so if folks want to go to that, they can go to um, 123lifeschool.com forward slash workshop. And that's one, two, three, just the numbers. And then the word life school, L-I-F-E school, all one word, dot com forward slash workshop. And it's free and they can register for that. And then you'll get a couple emails reminding you. And then hopefully we'll see you on Thursday, November 14th for that. And, um, and from there, it's very easy to find me online as well. Totally going to register for that, my brother. Great. It's fun. It's a good, I've done the training before and uh, it's, it's been very well received and it's a lot of fun too. It really is. It'll tear down a whole lot of weird barriers like in an hour. I'm not joking. Like people get set free from some performance based stuff and weirdness. Yeah. So, mm. Thank you so much for your time, Caesar. Thank you. I love having these kind of talks and anytime I get to spend with my sister, Tracy, I am up for it. That's right, what, my brother. When are you coming out to visit, by the way? When are you going to come out to uh, the Emerald City here out in Seattle area and see the beauty that's all I year don't long? No, it needs to be during baseball season because I really want to come come watch a Mariners game. Oh, it's a beautiful stadium. It's beautiful. And it's right down on the water and all. Let's do it. You need to come meet Team K in person anyway. You I do. I really do. Family. Yeah. I hear Tina's a fabulous cook. She's pretty fabulous. <laughs> in all ways, not just her cooking. But just this weekend, she did a, a, a dinner party for eight. It was eight courses, all paired, every course wow. paired. It was a fundraiser thing, and it was, it, I mean, it's off the chain. People lose their mind. It's like Babette's Feast, <laughs> you know, oh. if you've seen that movie. Well, anyway. tell her I said, hey. 
All right. Well, thanks. And thanks for uh, this gratitude challenge that's going on right now. It's the best. Thanks, my friend. Thank you so much for your encouragement. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Okay. Peace. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with Caesar and me. I learned so much about gratitude beyond all the things, and I certainly hope you have too. I want to remind you to join Caesar for the gospel in everyday life later this week at 123lifeschool.com forward slash workshop. And if you're not already signed up for our 30 Days of Gratitude Challenge, we'd love to have you. It starts, you'll be able to start right at the beginning and uh, go through the entire 30 days. We're teaching quick habits for building and maintaining a gratitude habit, especially when it's busy this time of year, and not just through the holidays, but for a lifetime. The way you access that is rebootspodcast.com forward slash gratitude 2019. Links to both of those opportunities are in the show notes. For the Change Journals inside the Reboots Podcast, I'm Tracy Winchell. See you next time.